0: This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, Sister Mary Agnes, a sister of the Immaculate Heart of Mary based in Coleridge, Kansas, talks about her vocation to becoming a nun. One
1: body, stewarding God's creation. One body.
0: Sister Mary Agnes will be a teacher at Thomas-Moore Prep Marion High School in Hayes beginning this fall of 2023. She is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. By way of introduction, originally from
2: St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Wichita, Sister Mary Agnes is a nun with the Immaculate Heart of Mary Sisters, based in Colwich. Their charism is prayer, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and teaching. Beginning in the fall, four of the IHM Sisters will be stationed in Hayes. Two Hayes, two teaching at St. Thomas More Prep Marion High School, and two at Holy Family Elementary. Sister Mary Agnes is one of the four, and she will be teaching. At uh, at the Thomas More Prep Marion High School, so we are grateful that, that she's joining us. So so, Sister, can you can you just kind of share with us a little bit? You know, we we know that that God has prepared you for this this place in your life. <laughs> ultimate of all ultimates being on Catholic <laughs> Radio, so we are grateful that you're on here. But we know that God has formed you throughout the the throughout your lifetime up until this point. Give us a little bit of information about your upbringing and what your faith was was like growing up.
1: Oh, yes, I'd be happy to do that. I recognize that the fact that I grew up in a family, I was baptized, you know, raised Catholic. I think the thing that impressed me the most, just looking back, I just really appreciated about my parents, Mm -hmm. is that they were very consistent and just utterly faithful to having our family go to Sunday Mass every Sunday. Mm. And I was in athletics, so even when we were uh, out of town at a softball tournament, a volleyball tournament, we would find the closest parish. sometimes that was even an hour away, and we would go to Mass. Mm. And just thinking about that, that had a big impact on me, not at the time like I was really grateful for it then, but I just realized if I would not have had that, I don't know if I'd even be a sister today. So I'm very grateful for the fact that we just always made it our point to never miss Sunday Mass. Um, I think another thing that really helped me growing up was the fact that I got the great honor of going to a Catholic school, K-12, through and uh, I felt very blessed to be able to do that. And even just realizing what it is like to be able to go to Mass frequently throughout the week, having confessions offered uh, you know, throughout the year, just being able to participate in devotions like the rosary, and so my teachers were very faithful and they just helped to foster that growth in the faith and so I think the last thing that probably had a big impact on me even just considering for our young people today is just having friends that were able to also support me in my faith but I didn't come to that friend group until I was a junior in high school mm. and the fact that I'm a teacher now I really try and help the students recognize that, you become like your friends. And if your friends are leading you to God and through virtue, then you're going to be a good virtuous person. But if they're not striving for that, you will follow what they do. Yeah. And so by the time I was a junior in high school, I realized I need a, a group of friends who's going to help me. And so after that, I just recognized a lot of growth in the faith, and I was actually able to make the faith more my own at that point in my life. So those would probably be probably the, the big ones, you know, looking back on what really helped to impact me growing up and just my faith life. It's important to know
2: who our children are hanging out with too, because it, it makes it really does make all the difference. It, it really does. How you know that's a huge decision for you to, to make that decision that you know I need a better friend group. So so how did you come to to that decision?
1: Well, I think what the Lord was able to help me to recognize is that I felt like I had everything that the world said would make me happy, and yet I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So. Why he allowed me to have that grace as a junior in high school, that is a mystery. I just give thanks for, and I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to receive that. It wasn't like it came to me easy. You know, There were some difficulties going on in my life at that time, but he kind of reached out to me, and I, I just really recognized at that moment I was able to say yes to that. And that led me on a path that has brought me to where I am today. So it's all grace, as we know. But there are just those moments in our lives where he just seems to touch us. And I was able to receive that, which was also a gift. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for that.
2: You're a junior in high school. I think where we left off your story, you were a junior in high school. You decided you needed that uh, that better fr- that better friend group. <laughs> and, you know, then, right? then you just kept right on going. So at what point then... Did you think that you might have a vocation to be a bride of Christ?
1: Yes, that became more clear to me, or at least the thought was more present when I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. And so I would definitely attribute the fact that I had made the decision during my junior year to really kind of redirect my life. That allowed me just to be more open to the possibility of the fact he could possibly be calling me to the religious life obviously, I mean, we do this, we promote vocations in the grade schools and our high schools and our parishes, but it wasn't like I was open to that for myself until I was a senior in high school. In fact, when I was younger, I was an athlete. So that's pretty much the plan that I had is I was going to pursue a future in athletics. Mm. However, I didn't realize, and this is something that I love to talk to our young people about today, I did not realize that a career or seeking something like just to be an athlete. It was more about doing than about being. Mm. So I'd never really been able to make that distinction before. You know, I had never thought to ask myself, how did God create my heart to love the best? <laughs> yeah. Who is he calling me to be? How is he calling me just to give of myself? And that question came a lot more close to my mind and heart when I was a senior than it ever had before and so at that point I also realized too I had been taught by our sisters in high school so that was another blessing of just having sisters around seeing them in class kind of experiencing what it was like to be with them but I just never saw myself as the sister type mm. so <laughs> I, um, I love Mother Teresa and I think we still have a lot of Mother Teresa Devotees around today, probably more so than ever. Um, You know, she's just so, so good. And what an image for our modern times of just one who loved passionately and she could see the person as a person. And I just appreciate it about her so much. So when I was a sophomore, I remember watching a video on her and thinking, I would like to go and do what she did. I would like to go to Calcutta. In fact, I would like to meet her. And at that point, she ended up, dying my junior year of high school, Mm. so realizing I would never get a chance to meet her, but just the impact she made on me by just the good that she had done really stuck with me. So the thought of religious life for me was definitely present just because of her good witness. And uh, I think the one thing, though, that kind of (laughs) helped me to bring the idea of religious life a little closer to home was I went on a retreat, and this is my senior year, so, I had this thought, maybe I might just be called to religious life. Mm. And I finally got up the courage to talk to a religious priest who came on this retreat. So, at that time when I was a senior, I was pretty girly, uh, liked the ha- hair, the makeup, all the stuff, the yeah. clothes. And so I walked right up to him and I said, Father, I've never told anyone this before in my life, but I think I might be called to be a sister. And in fact, I think I might be called to be a missionary of charity. And I think I would like to go to Calcutta and just give my life to Christ with Mother Teresa's community and her sisters. And he he looked at me square in the face and he said, you wouldn't last five minutes in Calcutta. Oh, Oh, was that devastating? (laughs) I kind of looked at him like really shocked because I was expecting him to say to me, Good. That's wonderful. I hope that goes well for you. Yeah. (laughs) And that is not what he said. So I kind of was taken aback. I think he could tell I was just utterly shocked because I I was not able to respond to him. And then he said, well, let me just tell you, I've been to Calcutta. I've actually worked with Mother Teresa's sisters. And first of all, they probably wouldn't send you over there because most of the girls who enter that are from the United States actually stay in the United States. I thought, oh, he just burst that bubble. And then he said, if you actually did go to Calcutta, more likely than not, you wouldn't be able to handle the food because it's very different. Your digestive system would be out of whack. I mean, he was just really over and over again trying to express to me, have you really thought this through? Or is it just kind of a pie-in-the-sky dream and so by the end of our conversation, he just very simply said, have you ever thought about visiting a community that was closer to home? Mm. So in my mind, not wanting to tell him this, I said, I'm thinking, well, well, sure, there's a community right here. I'm taught by these sisters. They're wonderful. But why would I ever want to do that? So that was the end of our conversation. Mm. So, I mean, that's kind of a long way to express the fact that um, he did a lot for me that year. Mm. And Just being able to look back on it's been kind of interesting thinking about that as far as like when I I really felt he might be calling me but not really being sure as far as why or where or how to even discern, like I didn't know how to do that.
2: And how providential it was for for him to be on that retreat who had already been to to Calcutta (laughs) and who was bold enough to speak the truth, right? You know, know, true providence right there.
1: Just to acknowledge the fact that in high school and I you know imagine maybe even my own students today we uh, as a high school student I kind of saw the sisters from the outside and just had impressions of the sisters but they really made an impact on me and that impact was just kind of subtle but it was always there the first sister that I had it was my freshman year first semester religion class and her name was sister Giovanni she was 84 years old. So Mm. she had taught for many years, and she taught in California and then eventually in Wichita. And what I found so interesting is that she just had something about her that was just so special. Like she was just filled with this deep joy and love, and that was something that she had for every person. Mm. And I, I found that very striking because I mean, even simple things that she would do, like she had a little nickname for many of the students. Um, angel face, <laughs> curly top, for so with curly hair, uh, dimples, red. She loved red hair. Yeah. Too bad I didn't have red hair. She loved red hair. <laughs> and, but my, my little nickname was Bright Eyes. And Aww. so just the way that she would kind of uh, pay attention to the students, um, you know, I, I thought that was really beautiful. You know, she cared. And one thing that struck me is, I don't think it was my last day of class with her, but just towards the end of the semester, I remember her saying to me, I expect great things from you. Mm. Now, I'm a freshman in high school. I feel like I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, (laughs) like Mm. I've got nothing to give at this point. But just the fact that she said that, I thought, wow, okay. I didn't really think of that until I was a senior, and at that point, I had gone through just a number of winding turns in my life. And then here I am and thinking, you know, I'm not really living up to that. You know, I remember her saying to me, I expect great things from you as though it's like it was in there and I wasn't letting it come out. And so just because of the way things had worked in my life at that point, just kind of, you know, as I had mentioned, that experience of just receiving God's grace and being open to that. That really came back to me strongly. And so, because of that, I made decisions that started, again, to direct me in the right place, you know, like to get me on a path to really start considering things more deeply, like my faith, and then eventually just the possibility of a vocation. Uh, she wasn't the only sister who impacted me, but that really stuck out to me. I had two other sisters, one my sophomore year, one my junior year. All of them are very different. There were other sisters teaching at the school, and I marvel at the fact that so many different personalities and just the way that they interacted with us as students. So what happened is my senior year, I had a friend who was also a senior, and she said, I'm going to visit the convent. And Mm -hmm. I could not believe it. I thought, well, why would you want to do something like that? You mean just like go eat with the sisters, like spend time with them? (laughs) Can you do that? And so she said, well, sure, why not? I thought, well, I I guess I didn't know you could do that. And so she went to visit them, and then, of course, she came back, and I said, tell me everything about it. What was it like? What did they eat? What did you do? And so just seeing in her the sense of how natural it was to start taking steps in discernment, which, again, I had no idea what it meant to discern or how you did that. I didn't know who to talk to or what to ask. And so I think it was just another person gotta put in my life at the right time just to help me to see, well, this would be a good next step. Mm. Okay, maybe I should go and visit sometime. Well, by that point, I was graduating, and I decided to teach Totus Tuis that summer. And so that kind of set me on an even more direct path to discernment because the whole Totus Tuis program is really about teaching the faith. And for those who are teaching it, to be open to God's will for you, discerning your vocation, and being willing to say yes to whatever he asks. So with that in mind, that's where my discernment really started to take off much more directly, just because of totus tuus and having to really take that initiative to think about it and to pray about it.
2: So how long from, from that point, you know, you're, you're graduating from high school and, and then, you know, do you, do you have plans for after high school or are you still just <laughs> trying to think, you know, about what to do? Right.
1: Right. Uh, well, I happen to have a personality that's uh, very quick. So after I taught totus tuus, I was with one of my friends and she said, you know, I'd really like to go visit the convent what do you think? Can we go? And I thought, I've never been. But if she's looking to discern a good community, I know one. So here I am thinking I'm going to play matchmaker and I'm going to take her over Ah. to visit the IHM. She's going to be so happy and she's going to ask to enter. So we go on a visit. And as we're on the weekend, taking time just to pray, be with the sisters, live the life, I found myself thinking, I really like this why am i saying that what is what is it about this i've never been here before why does it feel so comfortable and sure enough at the end of our time together i just had some time to ask the vocation director some questions and i really thought to myself i just should enter i just should ask for application i should just Mm -hmm. enter Mm So I ended up dropping my plans to go to college at that point, and I entered right after high school. So I entered at the end of that summer, which was very fast for my family, so that took some time for them just to be able to consider why the decision was so quick, but it's kind of what I needed at the time just to really be able to say, is this what he wants for me? And is this really the place where he wants me to be?
0: We need to take a short break right now, but
1: stay tuned to One
0: Body Stewarding God's Creation. We'll be right back with more about the vocation story of Sister Mary Agnes. So don't change that dial. One body
1: stewarding God's creation.
0: We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One
1: body, one body, stewarding God's creation.
0: The vocation story of Sister Mary Agnes.
1: One body,
0: one body. With IHM Sister Mary Agnes.
1: One body, stewarding God's creation.
0: Kelly Roper conducts the interview. So we are at the point in your story, sister, where where uh, you know
2: you have uh, realized you are supposed to enter. Um, very quickly made that decision, <laughs> filled out your application, and your parents' heads are spinning, right? They're they're not quite yes. sure what to think about all of this. Right. So right. so tell us, you know, about the 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 time then right after that, and and how long it took before you actually became a
1: sister. Yes, my story has a little bit of a unique twist to it because of our sisters who have entered right after high school. Uh, They've actually stayed. I entered and I ended up leaving and I came back. Uh Yes. So I took a little turn. I was a postulant for six months and postulancy is just the first stage of religious life. And during that time, I had a chance to just be immersed in the life of an IHM sister, but I wasn't an IHM sister. So I was trying to just figure out, pray, I was taking classes with the other postulants and novices, and just really asking the Lord that question daily, is this who you're calling me to be? Is this where you want me to follow you? And the longer I was there, I started to receive from the Lord this interesting response, which I eventually was able to articulate, which was, wait, wait. Mm. I thought, wait, what is that supposed to mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's not as vague as you can get. Wait, wait for what? Wait for a sign? Wait for another community? Wait for a different vocation? I mean, it just, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Of course, I had been talking to this sister who was our novice mistress, and I had a lot of opportunities just to ask her questions, and so it wasn't like I was trying to do it on my own, but I really didn't know what that meant. So as I was talking with her and continuing to pray, it seemed like it would be a good idea for me to leave the community and continue to go to college, which I was wanting to do. So I ended up going to Benedictine College, and I was there for a year and a half. It's a great place to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really appreciate the atmosphere. I had so many wonderful friends who were just surrounding me in support because We were all kind of discerning together. So many of them were dating. Many of them were wanting to go visit convents. It was just really great. So in that time, I had a number of friends who'd say, let's go visit another community. I was like, okay. Mm. So we went to visit a community in St. Louis. And while we were there, I was thinking, maybe this will be the one. We arrive. I enjoyed the sisters, their prayer life, just spending time with them. But by the end of our time together I had this interesting thought you know it's too bad they're not the IHMs it was mm-hmm. really fun to be here but they're just not the IHMs yeah. go back to college maybe a month or two go by friends are thinking let's go visit another community so we go visit another community and we're going to Nebraska this time so we're in Nebraska and the same thing happened. Mm were there loved being with the sisters enjoyed praying with them just asking them questions experiencing their life by the end of our time together I have this thought gosh they're really lovely but you know they're just not the IHMs that's too bad for them yeah. <laughs> and then I go back to college so this happened over this three semester time that I was at Addicted, and by the end of that I was kind of confused so I'm visiting all these communities I keep feeling like. This is surely going to be the one. And I found myself becoming more drawn to religious life in the sense of realizing I don't really want anything else but this. This is really where I see him calling me. I just need to know where. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please, Lord, just tell me where. And so the summer of my sophomore year, so I'm at home now, and I finally just decided to go talk to a priest for spiritual direction And as we were talking over a few weeks time period, he eventually asked me the question, I don't know if you hear what you're saying, but can I just recap this for you? And I said, I don't know what I'm saying. What am I saying, Father? He said, well, so you've visited many different communities over the last year and a half. I said, yes. And during that time, as you're visiting, every time you leave, your thought is, hmm, they're just not the IHMs. That's too bad. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're always comparing them to that community. When is the last time you visited the IHMs? I thought, oh, gosh, it's since I left. So his advice was maybe you should go back and visit again. So I did. So that summer, I went back. The sisters were having their novena to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I came in the evening. It was just a lovely time. There's a beautiful talk on devotion to Our Lady. There was a holy hour. And as I I, mean, I remember this, like entering the door of the convent, just this wave of peace just rushed right over me. Mm. And it was like walking in that door. It wasn't just like I'm walking in the door of the convent, but it's like the Lord had just opened the door and said, this is it. You're here. And I just, like at that moment, I just knew, you're right, Lord, this is it. I, I see it. I hear it. I desire this. And so so from that point, I was able then to, again, talk to uh, the novice mistress, and she was able to assist me with the application process. At this point, it was a little quicker because I had already entered before. And so I was able then to re-enter, And from that point then had a short postulancy, novitiate, profession and then today so kind of getting us up to where we are right now
2: yeah so so good i love that so our theme sister is holiness is not for wimps um i don't know are you old enough to even know what a wimp is i'm not i'm not sure that's kind of an older term but but uh, what what, you know and that was mother angelica who said that once so you know holiness is not for wimps so how does this theme fit into the daily life as an ihm sister
1: well, I think we've just got to go for the jugular on this one, the big one. So uh, holiness is not for wimps. That really makes me think about something that our father founder, his name is Father Joaquin He founded our community. He had a beautiful maxim that he would say to our sisters, and that was daughters of the good Jesus, let us love one another in the heart of our mother. Mm. So what is probably the most beautiful, the most difficult thing we are called to is love. Mm. And I just appreciate the fact that our father founder recognized as sisters, as Christians, what are we called to do is to love and love is not selfish. Mm. Love involves sacrifice. Love Love involves like just pouring yourself out and never being willing to say it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, just thinking about that, as we are striving to live our life, just everything about our life really challenges us to be just that—to be willing to be poured out, like that beautiful story of you know the sinful woman who comes to anoint the feet of Jesus, and here you have her bringing this beautiful jar of that costly perfume. And she just pours it all out to anoint his feet. And I like how John Paul talks about in, there's a document on religious life, and he says, what a beautiful reminder that is of religious life, that you're willing to give him everything and not to hold anything back. And hopefully, just through the witness of our lives, we can be an inspiration for others. Don't be stingy with God. (laughs) Uh, Be willing to keep giving because you know he is so generous. And He always gives us back more than we can give Him. So just to be willing to do that on a daily basis. And I guess the other thing that kind of makes me think about holiness is not for wimps, we have a lovely motto for our community, and it's very simple. Just, I take what is set before me. Mm. And I recognize just as I strive to live that out in our daily life, it really is calling me to imitate Our Lady and just to be receptive. Mm -hmm. Like, am I willing to receive whatever the Lord either sends me directly Mm -hmm. or that He even permits? And sometimes I like that, but sometimes I may not. And am I willing to still receive that that is difficult or challenging or not what I expected? Mm -hmm. And so just for our community, that's something we really think about and pray about and then strive to live. And it is difficult sometimes just to be open to whatever he sends or permits, but I have enjoyed praying the uh, surrender novena and just that Mm -hmm. beautiful phrase, you know, Jesus, I surrender myself to you, take care of everything. And I think that fits in nicely with our motto too, just, I just take what is set before me, here are my hands open wide, just desiring to receive. And that can be hard when what's being offered is not what I may want, but trusting that it's what's best and that God provides good things for us. Yeah. So I, I think about that a lot.
2: So, Sister, can you tell, tell us a little bit about the habits the IHM sisters wear? Um, you know, does each piece that, that you wear have a purpose or a meaning?
1: Oh, yes. Well, our habit, I mean, just even first of all, I, I am just so humbled and edified By the fact that we do wear the habit, but we are approached by people so often and they thank us for that. And I think, Mm. oh, God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's just so humbling. But a lot of people have just said it's just it's so inspiring to them. And that, too, is very humbling just to realize what a great honor that we hopefully are reminding people of either Our Lady or just, you know, the fact that we're to be like that signpost pointing to heaven saying we're made for more. We're not just made for this earth, but we're made for heaven. And so just to be able to wear the habit is such a great blessing. But if I may tell a little story, it's so cute. Um, Our sisters moved to Hutchinson, oh gosh, maybe about 25 years ago now, Hutchinson, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And the first Sunday, our sisters were at Mass, and there were a few sisters there, so sitting pretty close to the front in the pew. And it came time for communion, and so there was a mother who was bringing her you know, young child up, and I'd say he was probably a toddler, old enough to speak, and so he saw the sister who was sitting there on the end of the pew, and he said to his mom pretty loudly, so many people heard, Mom! It's Mary! Uh, <laughs> well, then he walked a little farther, further with his mother, and he looked down, and he saw all of the sisters, and then he kind of almost yelled, Lots of Marys! Oh, I love it. <laughs> so he yeah. was just so delighted, but yeah. just to realize that by what we wear, it does seem to be pointing to something greater than we, what we are, and we're devoted to Our Lady. So the way that our habit is structured is to remind others of that and ourselves as well. So uh, we're devoted to the Immaculate and Sorrowful Heart of Mary. So I would say the most maybe a prominent feature of our habit is just really Our Lady's Heart. Mm-hmm. So we have a beautiful silver heart that we wear on our right shoulder and we call it our IHM badge. In fact, one of the sisters was teaching grade school, and she called it her badge. She said, are you a police officer? Uh (laughs) Not quite. But it's a beautiful pen, a silver image of Our Lady's heart, and it has a sword through it, so in honor of her seven sorrows, but there's just one sword. Then at the top of the heart, which you've probably seen a number of images of the Immaculate Heart, but that flame that's coming out the top Mm -hmm. is, as our father founder wanted us to remember, is a sign of Our Lady's being filled with the Holy Spirit and like that flame of love that's pouring forth from her because of her giftedness of grace by our Lord. And then we also have roses, but our heart has three roses on it. And our Father Founder wanted us to be able to reflect upon our Lady's primary virtues of humility, obedience, and then purity. Mm. That's just the heart. It has a lot of symbolism wrapped up into it. But uh, the color of our habit is a dark blue, And that's also in honor of Our Lady, but also her sorrows, so because of the darker color. And then the other prominent feature of our habit, which is rather unique, is that we wear on our cincture, we wear the rosary of the seven sorrows of Our Lady, or the dolors. And that's a very old tradition in the church. It was actually, I don't know if you know much about the dolors. I have enjoyed talking to people about it, but it was a devotion that was developed by the Servites. And so their community was founded in the 1200s, and so that devotion has been around for some time, and our Father Founder wanted us to also then have that in our community. So we wear the dolars as well, and it's just a beautiful devotion. And the last part of our habit that would be prominent would just be our scapular. So we get to wear scapular. It's a full-length scapular. It's beautiful. And just a sign, as those who wear the scapular know, just a sign of our ladies, Mantle her motherly protection over us. Right. So, this is a little bit about her habit.
2: And, and so, tell us a little bit about your teaching career. Um, we know that, that you're getting ready to, to come to Hayes, so woohoo, <laughs> we are so excited about that.
1: Okay, well, just realizing for our sisters, some of our sisters had a desire to teach before they entered. Some of our sisters didn't, and they've developed that desire throughout the years after they entered. Before I entered, I had really never thought about teaching, even as a career for myself. And I was really just focused on athletics, so academics, teaching just never really caught my attention. However, after entering and just recognizing what it means to be a member of a community that teaches and that are teaching is obviously just a part of the mission of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, that our Lord, obviously, was one who taught, and that we get to share in that. It's just really powerful for me to think about that. But I think what I've appreciated most, just about experiencing teaching as an apostolate, is that it's different than teaching other subjects. I mean, you probably know what I mean by that, Mm -hmm. in that, So we've got lots of awesome teachers, and they teach math and English and science, social studies. But when we're teaching the faith, and just to be a catechist, I realize there's kind of like an analogy I like to use. So I thought, well, I could just mention that. But the analogy is, so let's just say we've got a math teacher, and the students come into class. You would never hear a math teacher say, all right, students, today I want you to give your life to this algebraic equation. <laughs> mm. That would just be ridiculous, right? Yeah. That's just not the point of what they're doing in a math class. Um, I don't know, like an English teacher. Um, all right, we're doing Shakespeare today. All right, students, today, uh, I want you to really form a personal relationship with Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, you would just never hear an English teacher say that because, first of all, that's not possible. It's kind of impractical and odd. But... Every day, uh, just as one who gets to teach the faith, that's what I'm both inviting my students to and challenging them to, is to say, are you willing to give your life to Christ? Are you willing to develop and form a personal relationship with Him? Do you know how much He loves you and how much He desires for you to be able to love Him in return? So it just takes on a kind of a different meaning for me when I'm preparing things for class. I think is this going to help that student to know Jesus better? Mm. And if not, then I need to pray about that more because that's, that's our end goal. That's what we're striving for. So I've just really come to love that. And it also helps me to get through, you know, some of the monotony of teaching, like the paperwork and the in-services and things, which all of us teachers, we do that. but And for every one of our teachers that teaches in our Catholic schools, just to acknowledge the fact by teaching math or science or social studies or just any of those subjects, it's all a part of the same mission. And that is so good. And just also realizing, too, that opportunity that we have to be able to teach the faith to hopefully help encourage just our young people to recognize how good God is and that they would be willing to say, yes, I want to give my life to him. So that's, it's a great joy to be in the teaching apostolate. Mm.
2: So, um, Sister, you know, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how, how you're coming to Hayes. You know, you're, you're coming, <laughs> you, you know your school, are you excited, you know, are you a little apprehensive? What's, what's going Aww. on with, with all of that? I, I yes. can't think of a better gift for Hayes to, than to have Sister Mary Agnes here teaching. She sounds Aww. delightful.
1: Well, thank you so much. I think the one thing that I wish I could bring is just more sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we are just so delighted to come to Hayes, and it was just an honor to be invited by the bishop, and we've been so warmly received by Mr. Meitner at the high school and Mrs. Wintling at the elementary, and so we we are just very grateful for just that open welcome. And I was actually calling back to mind, and and it just struck me too. So, you know, if people were wondering, like, why would a bishop want sisters? You know, is it is it cheaper labor? No, um, that's not the reason. What's the point behind that? And I came across a document, and it's actually written for bishops. And it was just very striking to me that the document said for bishops, one of the greatest reasons why they would want sisters in their diocese is for their prayer and their penance. Mm-hmm. And we will definitely bring that. Uh, we pray, and we pray obviously for everyone, but we also pray on behalf of those who don't pray. And just to be a constant presence of prayer in the diocese, we are so grateful to provide that. And then that document also just referred to just religious witness. You know, we do wear the habit, and we're just kind of that visible sign that. For those who are obviously striving for God, is like, keep going, don't give up. We are in a battle, but it's worth it, and His love will get us through. And just to be able to hopefully give that to those that we encounter on a daily basis. So we'll see the students probably more often than anyone else, but uh, definitely for our students and then those that we're able to meet and encounter through the various things we're able to do uh, while we're in Haze. So, yes, we're just so excited to be able to come.
2: Excellent. Great information with us. Sister,
1: last thought and then if you would say a prayer. Oh, my last thought. Uh I think my last thought is just to encourage everyone to just consider today maybe wanting to think about uh God's generosity to them and how much he's blessed them with, just being grateful for that. And as you've been noting, he is one who gives. And so I know that there are so many people who love your station and have a great desire to help you. And so that those who are able to would be able to offer that today just to assist you to keep the good that you're doing going. So I will continue to, be, I will continue to pray for all of you and uh, especially the good work that you're doing. So Thank you. But yes, definitely. So, and I'd be happy to end with a prayer today.
2: Thank you. That would be awesome.
1: Okay, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this time to be together, to honor and praise your name, to be able to consider the good that we can do, and especially to give thanks for those who have been able to support Divine Mercy Radio and all of the wonderful Catholic works that are happening, especially in the Salina Diocese. We entrust to you, Lord, all of our intentions. We ask you to continue to bless us with your goodness and your love, and that we too may be a blessing to others we entrust all of these intentions to you through the heart of our lady as we pray hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen immaculate heart of mary pray for us in thanks. the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen
0: thanks for tuning into one body stewarding god's creation if you are a business or service that can underwrite this one body show? Please know your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week on five stations reaching along I 70 from Junction City to the Colorado border. The cost is a mere $250 per month. Interested? Give us a call 785 621 4110. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice harden not your hearts
1: one body, one body stood in God's creation